Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. So today's guest, I'm a little excited. Of course, I say that every time. I am excited about every guest that comes on because we do, there's that nice shadow in your face when I block in. So if I go like this, you're basically, oh, yeah. you're in the dark world, <laughs> the light, the dark. So I do say this and I don't say it lightly. Uh, all of the guests that we bring on, we, we, we vet them. So we're very pointed about who comes on. We don't just, hey, let's have Jerry from the block come on and talk about his whatever he wants to talk about. Um, I, I asked Kathleen <clears throat> to be part of the show because obviously health is a big priority for us. We've always made it a big priority. But now in of itself with everything going on and immunization and, and being able to stay healthy is by and large the number one way to stay not sick that does not sound the right way no, but it didn't um, but it should be this. number one priority on most but people's minds let me see if i can rephrase this how we eat dictates literally everything mm -hmm. what we consume we become we, mm -hmm. we know that so i thought we'd bring kathleen on because she's a plant-based nutritionist um she is she walks and talks everything that she does. She lives, eats, and breathes vegetables. That's her life, plant-based eating, not just vegetables, fruits. So uh, we're gonna bring her on and have a little conversation with her about plant-based nutrition. Uh, I'd like to have a conversation around the centerpiece of carnivorous eating versus plant-based eating. I want, I want to understand from her perspective because there's a huge debate going on around that right now. I personally believe that it's a political, there's some political debate around it as well, but I want to hear it from a nutritionist and actually from the, a holistic person. You're going to ignite this conversation, aren't you? We spoke to her before and she's... She can take it. She's a dynamo, so this is exciting. So it's Kathleen Gage, and if for those of you who, are, who want to look look her up right now, it's plantbasedeatingforhealth.com. That's a mouthful. I think she wrote that out when she was eating some of her vegetables, but that's www.plantbasedeatingforhealth.com. It's Kathleen Gage. We're going to bring her on. She is a, uh, as I mentioned, she's a nutritionist. Um, she's also a consultant who works with, I, I don't know if it's small businesses or large businesses alike, but she works with businesses who have bought into the philosophy of a healthy workforce is a happy and productive workforce, which I really love that because how many fat slobs do you see lying around just sitting in a cubicle all day long, bad posture, eating Chick-fil-A and Moo Chicken and Burger King at lunch, and they come back and they fall asleep at their desk and by the time it's five o'clock, they go home. So we're gonna talk to her a little bit about that and why it's important to eat healthy. Kathleen. Hey. How are you? You know, that is such a mouthful that you, you shared. And how I got the name was the URL was available. What can I say? You know, it's like I, I was going to go for plant-based eating. And and it's so interesting because since that time, I, I when I first started eating plant-based, I was 64 at the time. And I didn't want to be a vegan because it was like vegans are crazy. Now I wear shirts that say vegan AF and, uh, you know, I wear my hat that's vegan AF. And I, I truly am because I've learned a lot about what it means to not consume animal products. So great to be here. 
So I, I, I'd like to just jump right into that piece, if you don't mind. Our executive producer, Dallas, so we're going to throw him under the bus. He's a carnivore. In fact, we jest with him all the time because he's always talking about how many pounds of meat he has to consume on a daily basis. And he posted something on his Instagram last week about the benefits of carnivorous eating and why eating meat has been healthy for him. And I'm, I'm not judging it. I just, no. it is what it is. Everybody has a different way they interact with their body and what they eat. But um, I made the switch from primarily meat-based eating to primarily plant and vegetable and fruit-based eating and mostly organic about 10 years ago. And um, I can personally vouch for the effectiveness of it, the health impact it's had on my life. Um, the fluidity is probably the biggest thing I notice. I'm an I'm a avid soccer player, so I still play men's soccer. And one of the things that I've noticed probably most beneficial is Prior to a soccer game during the week, if I primarily focus on just really good diet, eating mostly fruits and vegetables, staying away from any meat, any garbage, I feel that when I'm out there running around in the soccer field. And the only way I can describe it is I feel very fluid and agile. And you're 98. <laughs> you're pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. You know, actually, I'm coming up on 67 in a couple of weeks. And uh, I run on a daily basis. I do yoga on a daily basis. I, you know, there's things I do now that I didn't do when I was younger. And the, the reality is, is that it's a personal choice that people make. But most people don't have enough information. We have been led to believe that meat is healthy. And that's by the meat manufacturers, the beef industry, poultry, all of that. And a lot of foods are subsidized by the government. So there's a vested interest for the government to keep us eating meat. One is the big pharma, because 70 to 80% of antibiotics are used to uh, actually keep the animals if you will, healthy enough before they're slaughtered. And there's so much misinformation and there's a lot of people that are 100% plant-based that do it because of health. Others do it for the animals and others do it for the environment. And the longer you live this way, you end up doing it for all three. So, you know, it, it's a personal choice. I don't try to jam it down anybody's throat, but if somebody were to give up meat for a period of time, they would see a marked difference. I, I have friends who are professional bodybuilders that are 100% plant-based. Was your switch over, and, and by the way, 67 years old, you ran your first marathon at 61. In of itself, that should be a podcast. How do you train at 61 for a pod, for a marathon? That's brilliant. I, I can barely run for a mile, and not from the standpoint of um, uh, fitness, just from like running itself. I, I, I don't under, quite understand the mindset, it, the mindset of it. it. Well. I, people who can do that are massively disciplined, so well played on that. But your... Your your uh, direction into plant based eating was it more of a compassion based concept early on, or was what was the curiosity behind it? What got you into it? That is a great question, Devo. the The first reason that I started was because of inflammation. I was starting to get a lot of inflammation, and I I did some research and found out that if I gave up dairy and meat, that probably the inflammation would be minimized. And I thought, okay, I'll do it for seven days. Now, what's kind of ironic about all of this is I have been doing animal rescue for years. I've worked within the pet industry, uh, spoken at big conferences. And so here on the one hand, I'm rescuing animals and I'm very compassionate to animals, but I put them in silos of, okay, well, dogs and cats, that's one thing, but cows and and uh, sheep and, and uh, pigs, that's a whole different silo. And 
when I started connecting the dots, I realized that was so misaligned. But initially, it was for inflammation. Within two days, my inflammation completely left. Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, how I have not had a headache in three years since I started. I, I don't have the inflammation anymore. I actually lost about 38 pounds uh, in about three months when I, because I've been a yo-yo dieter all my life. And I, you know, I'm one of those that it's the outward that's important. And then it, it finally got to the point, no, it's really about the inward and what you do inwardly reflects outwardly. So initially it started for health and I quickly moved into, oh my gosh, this is really about the animals too. Because when you research factory farming, if you researched it, you would never consume meat again. Yeah, I have. And I've seen a lot of those documentaries around it. And it's honestly, it's an egregious act. It's kind of funny. We, you mentioned cats and dogs and farm animals and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I've actually read multiple studies around the, the, the empathy that an animal feels when it, when it's killed, especially when it's killed in a negative fashion or it's, it's, it's lived most of its life, but behind bars, if you will. Um, Lisa and I were having this conversation recently uh, for the over the last couple of years, we signed up for a farm farmers chickens. Don't get mad, but we actually we still eat eggs occasionally. Um, but their farm raised pasture chicken because of the concept of eating happy meat versus unhappy right. meat. You talked a little bit about that for a second. Can you explain to that what you actually how you understand that definition to mean happy meat versus? And I know you're plant based, but eating happy meat versus unhappy meat. Well, I, I think if you were to ask the animals, uh, are you happy that they're going to kill? you regardless of how they were raised they probably would say no but that being said the definition really is factory farmed animals are caged and they're they're uh, put in very tight confined areas uh, they're filled with drugs from the day they're born they're separated at birth um, you know some really horrendous uh, situations where the happy cows if you will they're out in pastures but if you look at the percentage of animals that are raised that way today, it, that's it's a very small percentage. So there's not a lot of animals that are really raised in happy environments. And we actually have chickens. And I actually have a wife. We've been together 31 years. And she still consumes the eggs. I won't because for health reasons. There's a lot of cholesterol in eggs. But um, the eggs that she consumes are all from our own chickens. Oh, you actually raise your own chickens? We have, they're rescues. We, oh, we have brilliant. horses that are rescued. Uh, we have chickens. We have one dog. We just lost one a about a week ago. Oh, um, yeah, our pit bull, he was a rescue. And he had been a bait dog um, and was the sweetest dog. But um, Wait, I, I don't understand what that means, a bait dog. A bait dog is what they use to train other pit bulls how to fight. Oh, they're Jesus. usually very passive. And when we got him, he had staples in his ears. They oh, had Jesus. sewn him up. They found him in a ditch. And for some reason, they decided to save his life. And he was the coolest dog. Uh, but he had to, he had to leave. He got old. And, um, but anyway, uh, we do have chickens. And we've had a goat. We've had a ferret. And all of our animals are rescue animals. Can I, can I just ask you a couple of questions here? Because, okay, so you made the switch over. Did you switch over to vegetarianism or did no. you become a vegan first? You went straight for the... I went straight for the juggler, but I, I actually started as a plant-based eater. And there's a, there's a distinction. Some people go, oh, I'm on that vegan diet. Veganism is not a diet. It's a philosophy. It's a way of life uh, where plant-based eating, you can eliminate all meat and dairy 
and that can be considered a diet. So there is a distinction and there are very unhealthy vegans too. I mean, that's, you know, there's so much misinformation about what a vegan really is. A vegan simply means somebody who has a philosophy around not doing any harm to the animals. And so I started plant-based and I became vegan after I really educated myself on what's going on with the animals. So it, it to me, it, the ultimate is a plant-based vegan. So I eat 100% plant-based foods. I eliminate all animal and dairy products. So why do you think, my, my one son is vegetarian, the other is vegan, and he calls himself a militant vegan. And you mentioned that people think, you know, crazy vegans and all of that. Why do you think people have that, that title or that distinction that, that you're, oh, you're crazy? Because some are. I mean, some actually are. I mean, you know, I think of um, there, there was the comedian. Uh, she passed away quite some time ago, but she used to wear fur coats and people would throw blood on her. Uh, you know, look what you've done to the animals. And I understand that to a point, but I also understand that education is what makes people change. And you have to meet people where they're at because it's really looking at is somebody unhealthy and they want to do something good for their health. Eating plant-based and getting rid of all animal and dairy can reverse many, many diseases that today we have come to accept as normal. And big pharma, if you look at the commercials on TV, you see a fast food restaurant commercial. And then right after that, you have a medication for diabetes. And it's like, this is really going into our subconscious mind. I mean, people have been so conditioned. And even with COVID, it's like the underlying causes that a lot of people have when they get the complications. If you look at their health, they, they say, a healthy teenage boy, there was this thing, you know, about a year ago, healthy teenage boy gets diagnosed with COVID the next day he dies. And there's a picture of him. The kid's a hundred pounds overweight. Yeah. And it's like, come on, let's be yeah. real. You know, I, I, I don't want to get into a big discussion about COVID, but I will tell you, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about what really causes the underlying complications. Yeah, that's funny you say that um, because we actually have had some amazing. You're about to get us banned on YouTube. We just got our <laughs> we just got our second strike from YouTube because of our content on our podcast. But we've had we've had some brilliant doctors, dietitians immunologists that have actually come on that are basically saying the exact same message. And I don't want to go into COVID either because we want to keep this on about you, but we both heartily agree. And if you actually take a look at the real data on this and go be read between the lines of the people that are dying, most of them have two, three, four more comorbidities already in place, whether it's obesity, whether it's diabetes. Right. And the, the underlying theme is that they eat like shit. And, and then they wonder why they got sick and why they got the flu and why they have diabetes and et cetera. And, and it, it kind of, it brings me into my next point because I'm, I, I was reading a book and it was uh, about the paleo diet and they were talking about all the different, you talked, you called it the yo-yo effect. And I forget the name of the book, but they were talking about why diets fail. And there was a piece in the book that really struck me. They were talking about going back as, as far back as 200,000 years in caves of what we called Neanderthals. And we thought that they were just, you know, one step above apes. When in fact, research is starting to find out that these were actually highly evolved, highly technical, highly skilled farmers. They had indigenous communities. They were community-based learners. And in every situation, and this is a fact, you can look it up and find it. In every situation in these caves, they found remnants of seeds, that were vegetarian-based diets. They also had meat. They were meat eaters. Um, they were also farmers. But they, in every situation, there were plant-based, organic, 
non-synthetic materials, fruits, vegetables, marijuana, mushrooms, all sorts of things. And the only conclusion that they can draw, and most people, the mainstream narrative will say otherwise, is that these were organized communities that by and large consumed plant-based diets. And so I'm, I, I'm always curious, where in the lineage of human, humanity did we get away from that plant-based diet into consuming so much meat? That is such a great question. And where it started was, uh, it was around the 50s when TV dinners became popular. If, if you look at the history of food, because pre-TV dinners, pre-processing, pre-drugs in animals, um, animals were raised relatively healthy and people didn't consume to the uh, degree that they do now because we're a very um, gluttonous uh, society. I, one look at the grocery store, go to the grocery store and notice what people look like and what they're putting in their cart. And you can't necessarily blame people per se because food manufacturers actually have scientists that actually they they get food to a degree where it becomes very addictive. So in many cases, it's about addictions. It goes way beyond somebody not having willpower. And, you know, there's so much to it. There's a great book called um, Salt, Sugar, Fat. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal book. It will be such an eye opener for people. But Unfortunately, a lot of times we see people just follow like sheep and anything that you're going to succeed at, it does take some discipline. It does take awareness. It's just like in a marriage. If you're going to succeed at a marriage, there are certain things that you do have to do and there are certain things that you just don't do. And so it's, it's really looking at the rules of the game. And the rules of the game with health is you have to be very aware of what you're putting in your body. And we've, we are such an external society that it's all about how good we look rather than how healthy are we really. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think the, the mindset too, when you're talking about yo-yo diets and everything, I think a lot of the population, when you think diet, you're thinking weight loss. You're not mm -hmm. thinking health. Right. You you talked about the the epidemic going on right now, and it's funny because Lisa and I said 14, 15 months ago, if if this if if this is such a if this is such a menacing threat to our livelihoods, why are the first things that you're not doing for us as as citizens of your country to be banning some of the things that are the most harmful harmful to us? Let's just have a suggestion: shut down all, all, all alcohol sales for the next fourteen months shut down all cigarette sales for the next 14 months. It's, it's funny because you, I don't have TV, so I don't watch TV, but I, I do know exactly what you're referencing. You turn on the television and every single commercial is some sort of trigger commercial triggering us to go purchase something that's bad for us, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's beer, whether it's soda. And in every situation, we're hypnotized. We're hip That's a great point. We're hypnotized, but we're, we're basically that they we have been trained like animals to to see this sort of trigger that if i drink coca-cola i feel satisfied if i smoke a cigarette i feel sexy if i etc and you never see i always said like why why aren't there commercials for buying tomatoes or why aren't there commercials for supporting your local co-op like I, I never understand it it makes no sense to me well, if you if you look at where the money is, follow the money. It, it's like money, billions and billions of dollars, pharmaceuticals, billions and billions of dollars, the meat industry. I mean, you you follow the, the diet industry, billions of dollars. So follow the money. And it has to do with 
a, a very small percentage of the powerhouse people that are controlling the population. And people, you know, they don't want to hear that. They, they, they're like, oh, no, no, that. And that's where the crazy vegan stuff comes in. It's like when you start revealing the truth, people are like, I don't want to hear that vegan stuff. Well, the, the conspiracy theorists. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I actually did a blog post not uh, probably about a year ago on MK Ultra, if you know anything about that. Mm -hmm. And then what was that uh, study that was done with the African-American men around syphilis? They were mm -hmm. giving them placebos. That was all government funded. And it's like you, you tell that to people. They're like, no, it couldn't be. And it's like, yes, it could be. You know, oh, so they, weren't, they weren't just giving them placebos. They were actually injecting them with syphilis. Crazy. It wasn't Crazy. just a placebo study. They, it was a double blind where they were actually injecting them with syphilis so they could observe the reaction and the recovery rate. And then you talked about the placebos. They were injecting them with counterfeit um, cures, but also different sorts of testing medicines that they were putting right. on. I mean, I'm very familiar with that study. It's insane. And how much money did they get paid for that? I have maybe like a hundred dollars. Like seriously, yeah. that's funny because we had that same joke. Like the first, uh, the first COVID vaccine that they were testing in Savannah, they were offering a hundred dollars for people to to come take a jab for for a sixty dollars or a hundred dollars to test out their vaccine. And they marketed it specifically to lower, lower, lower income people because like $60, $100, that's going to make their week, their month. Absolutely. absolutely. And well, and you also look at the controls within uh, certain areas where they have food deserts and in uh, lower income areas in the inner city, you can find stores with beer and cigarettes, but you can't and fast food restaurants, but you cannot find healthy foods. And so it really is a way of controlling the population. And again, people say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. And it's like, no, I, I've educated myself on this and I continue to do so. I've talked to some of the top doctors on my show who are in the plant-based industry. T. Colin Campbell, for example, he wrote the China study. It, it, for 20 years, he worked on that book. And it, it's crazy. But my recommendation to people is go educate yourself, really study what the truth is. But nowadays, it's hard to know what the truth is. You know, you, you can get a, a video on YouTube and it looks real and you find out that's all false information. Yeah. Well, especially today, because that information that's being put out there, it's only one sided now. As I, as I mentioned, we're not exactly provocative in our content, but we, we've been double warned now by YouTube on some of the stuff we've had because of the guests that we've had on. And, and many of our guests have actually been banned from Instagram and Twitter already. So that's the sort of type of people we've had. My, my, is it so, because of us? Are we the <laughs> it probably it's, it, it, no. it is you. It is you. Sorry, Kathleen. <laughs> my position on everything is that people should be armed with information, but they're not armed with information because because the majority of the population doesn't take the time to actually read between the lines. They just take what's spoon fed to them because it's easy. And so part of the problem with plant-based eating is you have to be a bit creative about it because you don't have the proliferation. Say that a couple of times. You don't have the availability of fresh organic fruits and vegetables right. just around the corner. You, you, you actively have to get in your car and you've got to seek them out. 
So, you know, it's, you're right. You're right. And, and actually a big project that I'm working on right now, uh, in addition to my passion for plant-based eating and veganism, I, I love marketing and I'm actually working with a group of influencers within the plant-based industry who they, they're not nutritionists. They're all marketers, PR people, uh, salespeople, authors. And what we're doing is we're putting a huge project together that is, we're working on a book and it's called Vegan Visibility, and it's targeting companies that are within the industry to help them raise awareness so that people have more information available. We're doing a masterclass, we're doing a summit, we're doing a book, and this is a long drawn out project because I've had my business 27 years and my background is marketing. And so it occurred to me, you know, yeah, I could be just another nutritionist, which that's not really my sweet spot. That's not where I shine the most. It's really bringing the people together to help raise awareness. So that's the project I'm working on right now. You're a catalyst. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's my, okay. Yeah. Now that's my new name. Let me put that on my business card. I'm writing it down. <laughs> I am a catalyst. I like so that. Spe so speaking of being a catalyst, you work with organizations, businesses to educate their workforce, to bring light to the the power of plants. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, actually, there's a cruise line that I'm going to be doing a keynote presentation, all virtual, obviously. Uh, that that was a big shift in my business, um, was going from being on the platform as a keynote speaker. And when the pandemic hit, literally overnight, about 80% of my revenue just dropped off the face of the earth. And it's like, oh, shoot. And and it was it was shocking. And it was uh, frightening. And then I had to reinvent myself and say, okay, if this is the way it is, what can I do today? And I've been online for 20 years. So it wasn't as if I, I needed to learn a lot, but I needed to get in the right mindset. But what I do is I actually do a lot of Zoom sessions with companies, just educating them on productivity, on how it can improve their workforce. If in fact, they create programs that would be more beneficial to the workforce. Are they going to put the virtual screen when you're doing the Zoom for the cruise ship in front of the all-you-can-eat buffet? You know, that would be not. Well, I, let me tell you, this is really awesome. Uh, right before the pandemic hit, I, I was speaking at a conference uh, in the pet industry. Uh, and um, I told the meeting planner, I said, I'm plant-based and I really would like some selections of plant-based foods. So they decided to have a section on the buffet that was 100% plant-based, no animal or dairy products, and then the regular buffet. And she said that more people went to the plant-based section because out of curiosity, and they got higher ratings on their buffet than any other conference they had ever done. She goes, this was phenomenal, that it really opened up an opportunity for people. And there were people who were vegan that had never even thought to ask for those kind of foods. They just ate what was given to them. Well, the thing that I encourage people to do is speak out because unless you ask for something, you never know if they'll accommodate you or not. But it was great because she said it was we got great ratings. That's, that's great. I always thought there would be a market for pop-up food trucks that just serve fruits and vegetables. They're like starting. What? Yeah, it'd be yeah. nice to just see them bouncing around the city all over the place. A really close friend of ours started a fruit and vegetable delivery service in my in my home city. And she only aggregates the fruits and vegetables and the eggs and, and um, from local farms within the area. And then every Friday I have a fruit and vegetable, fruit and vegetable delivery to my front door. It's pretty cool. Love it. Love yeah. it. All organic, pesticide, pesticide free, 
free-range chickens, the eggs, et cetera. So right. I love it. There's a lot of politics around plant-based eating. There's a lot of politics around it. You and, and I hate this conversation because everything always has to have an either or an or. It's There's never an in-between. It's like either you're red or you're blue, either you're black or you're white, either you're a liberal or you're a conservative. There's so many shades of gray in between everything, but those shades of gray always get sort of pushed to the bottom and tossed to the wayside because you either are with us or you're against us. Why does food and plant-based eating and eating healthy always sort of become a, di a diaspora of separating people? Why is that? In my opinion, I think it's because when you present new information to people, it it forces them to look at their own habits. And so if you present a, a piece of information to people saying you can actually cure your diabetes, type two diabetes, it has been proven can be cured and reversed and completely eliminated through a plant-based diet. And people are going, well, that means I have to look at my own habits. And again, it goes back to the addiction of food. It goes back to how we've been brainwashed and, you know, we have been brainwashed and, why do why do uh, manufacturers spend billions of dollars on what they're doing to get us to believe something is true that's not true? And so a lot of it has to do with people have to look at their own habits and take responsibility for their actions. And most people do not want to respond to what they they are responsible for. Boy, that was a mouthful. Respond, <laughs> responsible, responding. Okay. I think I'd like to add a, another piece to that. Not only do people want to be responsible for breaking their bad habits, but I also think that there's a mob mentality involved in that. And most people want to sort of stay with the flow of the traffic. It's like I always pull up to traffic lights, and this is a really basal example, but I always pull up to traffic lights and there'll be two lanes, right? And there'll be like 36 cars in the left lane, but maybe zero or one in the right lane. And they're all going straight. And I always wondered... When people come up to traffic lights, do they not see that there's 36 cars in one lane and there's zero in the other and they don't go to that other lane because nobody's in there? Or are they just sort of caught in their horse blinders and they just get in the same lane and they refuse to switch? And I sort of see a uh, – I may go somewhere with this. It sort of reminds me of an analogy to to like – general human population, most people don't want to go against the grain. They kind of want to stay in their safe, protective bubble because everyone else is there. Absolutely. You know, it, it is that mob mentality and it is that fear of standing out and uh, having people judge you. And that really is one thing that I've noticed with clients that I work with who are so fearful of speaking their truth because they say, well, what if somebody judges me? And I said, if they're not judging you, you're not playing big enough. And so the, the more visible <laughs> like we are, the more we stand up for what we know is true and correct, the more we are going to be judged. And, and so I think it, and it also has to do with, um, we only notice what we focus on. Uh, I remember years ago, I went through a training seminar and they were talking about how people will follow the crowd. And they said, go out into a, a, any busy area and start looking up at the sky. Don't say anything, but just start looking up, looking up, looking up. And pretty soon another person will look up and then somebody else. And people are looking up to see what they're, they're even looking at. They have no idea, but somebody started that trend. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about people wanting to be accepted. They want to be loved. They want to be a part of the crowd. And that's why social media is so popular. That's why, you know, like Clubhouse right now is huge because people want to be a part of something. Mm-hmm.
We, we were listening to the audiobook on a long drive back from somewhere recently on a project we were working on. It was called The Psychology of Money. And he, he and it's primarily around how people view money. And he takes a more esoteric, holistic approach and as opposed to just like a functional piece of money and the economics of it. And But in that space, he talked a lot about how corporations, and you just touched on this a few minutes ago, spend billions and billions of dollars on psychology of of entrancing people into a position or a paradigm that they want to guide you down as opposed to allowing people to be free and critical thinkers around their freedoms and what they want and the autonomy and the choices that they make. And one of the things he specifically said was our reality becomes what we focus on. And most people sort of have this scarcity model in their head, this, and it's all fear-based. I wonder why we are where we are right now. And one of the things he said was exactly what you just said. If you can tend to change the habitual way you think about things and start to be more observational about it, that sort of becomes your new paradigm, your new reality. So I love that you just touched on that. As that pertains to food, though, how does one if, – if, if someone were to wake up today and, and for whatever reason they were – you were their catalyst because they heard a podcast or Lisa told them she wasn't going to be friends with them anymore if they didn't start eating healthy, whatever it is, what would be the fastest, and, and I say this understanding that it's a process, but what would be the fastest and most efficient way for someone to become a plant-based eater? One would be get the book Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. I, I recommend that to everybody as a starting place. And also uh, subscribe to some plant-based blogs, some plant-based YouTube channels, and spend some time just taking in the information because as you get the information, it'll start shifting your perception. And even look for some meetups in your local area, because now a lot of them are done by Zoom. But um, there's people who are more than happy to share their experience. Like myself, I don't charge for consulting with people on plant-based eating. That's just something I do as a, a side passion. And anybody who wants to talk to me, I am more than happy to hop on the phone with them. It's just like I've been sober for 37 years. Part of my recovery is that I will talk with another alcoholic about what it's like to actually give up alcohol and, and turn your life around because it's scary when you first start out. You think you're the only one. You think that you're, you're going to be isolated from everybody. And then you start finding that there are quite a few people who are either sober or they're involved in plant-based eating. So the first thing is make a decision. And then I would say go through and get rid of the foods that are not going to serve you. So what would you say some of the main benefits are from your plant-based diet besides, you know, you've already said you're opening up the doors to, you know, new connections, new friends, new education, just, you know, changing your lifestyle around and, and the benefits of that as well. Well, I would say the number one benefit is health. I mean, it, it is so clear to me how healthy I am compared to most women and men my age um, and even younger. Uh, you know, I... On average, I run about two to three miles a day. I work in my yard. Yesterday, I went on a three-mile run with my dog. Then I worked in my yard for about two hours. And so I've got more energy. My blood work always comes out great since going plant-based. My doctor is like, keep doing it. You know, you're, you're doing the right thing. Um, so health is the number one benefit. And if people want to have energy, if they want to have more focus, if they want to be more productive, if they want to get rid of the depression, I mean, that's one of the biggest things right now, especially with all the anxiety and depression. It's like you will have a complete shift in the way that you view yourself in the world. 
After that five mile run, she hiked Mount Hood and her then parachuted dog. off. Is your dog happy about how healthy you are? Or does your dog hide from you sometimes? You know, it's so funny because my dog loves going to the park to play ball. But when I'm going to run in my, my neighborhood, she's like, oh, no, it's so boring. We're just going in a straight line. It's like, but we're going to see the cows and the horses. And she actually yawns. She's like, oh, no. And she's a little terrier mix and she's a rescue. But um, it, it, overall, she enjoys it. So uh, just a couple other things. I know that, you know, it seems like a huge shift and people are generally on that hamster wheel doing what they do every day, kind of what we talked about. And we're essentially we're lazy. Mm -hmm. So how hard is it to make that first step? Like, where would you suggest to start? Well, you know, that is a great question, Lisa. And I would say it really depends on your why. You know, what it, what is your reason for wanting to go plant-based? Are you doing it for somebody else or are you doing it for yourself? And I would say just sit down and look at your life as it is today and what what quality of life do you want? I just got through interviewing a gentleman for my program where he dropped 70 pounds and his wife dropped almost 100 pounds from going plant-based. And he said prior to that, they were both couch potatoes. They didn't get out and do anything. They didn't have much intimacy. They didn't have any intimacy. And he said, all of that has shifted, which is another thing, what gets men to go plant-based oftentimes. And if you saw the movie Game Changer, they did this whole study about um, erectile dysfunction in men. When you eat a lot of fat and you have excess weight, Seriously, it's like as a man, you're you're limiting your opportunities to have pleasure. And when you go plant-based, all of a sudden you're opening up your blood vessels. You know, so that's one motivation for some people is your sex life improves, your mindset improves. Um, and maybe I'll get you banned from uh, YouTube for talking sex, but seriously, it's like what a what a gift to yourself if you want to have more vibrancy. Okay, that's how we're going to spin this podcast. Okay, we're going to sell the sex. <laughs> yeah, well, do it. it. <laughs> sex sells. Yes, absolutely. It, it does sell. It, it, I'm, and it's funny because there's there could be entire marketing campaigns. You said you're a marketing woman. You could develop some really fantastic marketing campaigns around that. I remember back in the was it the '80s. They had that really sexy model come on and she was basically wearing a wife beater with her nipples like fully exposed and they were talking it was a anti-drug campaign and she was in there like oh, if you do drugs <laughs> and then she was like smashing eggs this is your eggs on drugs and after you have drugs you take drugs you and i was like what, what, why haven't they taken that? And why haven't farmers taken that and like gotten somebody really sexy? And like, if you want to attract, if you want to please your woman, eat more tomatoes. Like, sexy Bill, the farmer out you there. Know, like, it's, it's why not? It's true. It's true. It's, what exactly it's, it's, uh, oh my gosh. You don't remember the, these campaigns that no. either of you remember? They no, were in the I, 80s. I can't say that I do. Uh, uh, I, you know, it's like, we oh were my born. gosh. I'm gonna, born yet. I'm gonna send <laughs> it to you. you. There was a there was a campaign in the 80s. It was the war on drugs, which was a bullshit war on drugs. It was just another way to to combine some sort of revenue and then tax people, et cetera. Et cetera. I won't go into that. Sorry, <laughs> but there was a huge campaign. And it was a, it was a model. I can't remember the popular models in the 80s. But she was scantily clad in a kitchen with really dark Cindy Crawford. No, with really dark, sexy lighting, and she was like smashing things with a, a, a cast iron pan. And the whole time, she was like touching herself while she was doing it. And I'm like, of course, I'm not going to take drugs if I get to be like that and be with her. But anyway, was that you and your grandpa watching no. that? <laughs> 
All right. So I, I want to go back. You talked a little bit about it's funny because you mentioned alcoholism and I, and I want to understand alcohol and the effects of alcohol because I know it's a poison. I occasionally drink wine. We both have wine. I like a glass of wine. I'm not I don't drink heavily. But what is alcohol in of itself? And why is it so bad for our bodies? Well, you know, it it's it depends who you ask whether they say it's bad or not. But some people have the disease of alcoholism, and which a lot of people use that as an excuse. Oh, I have a disease. It's like, okay, you have a disease. It's been identified. Do something about it. And I, you know, I was actually just thinking this morning about my nephew who was forty two when he passed away, and he looked like he was a man in his eighties, and he was a just full blown alcoholic, and he just could not stop. And and he ended up weighing probably about 80 pounds. I have a picture of him that if I ever, ever think that I want to take a drink, I can look at that picture and say, no, it's not worth it. So, you know, it really depends, again, on personality. It depends on DNA. Uh, not everybody has a problem with alcohol. And, and so alcohol is it's fermented grapes. It's, it's got a lot of sugar in it. So that's one, you know, one reason that it's really not good for the system is it's got so much sugar, but as far as alcoholism, not everybody has that problem. And those of us that do, I mean, I was a blackout drinker. I, I would wake up and come to, and like, what did I even do? I had periods in my life that I seriously do not remember. And I look at my life today compared to what it was like in my twenties and night and day, a completely different person. And I just, you know, I'm so grateful that I found my way to decide to live a different life. And was it easy? No, it wasn't. It was very simple. It's like, you don't take a drink. That's the simplicity of it. It's just like anything in life. There are, most things are really simple, but they're not always easy. And we tend to want short-term satisfaction over long-term gain. Hmm, that's a great point. Interestingly enough, a little sidebar, I'll just give you a useless morsel of information. The founder of Alcohol and Not, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm having trouble with big words today. Mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anom Anonymous, he, um, he was struggling with alcohol so much that he actually turned to a plant-based diet, but plant-based medicine. He did ayahuasca and mushroom therapy in order to change his mental paradigm around what alcohol and its role it served in his life. And then he started Alcoholics Anonymous because of it. Just FYI. Well, you know what else is interesting that a lot of people don't know that he actually was friends with, um, I think the founder of either Church of Religious Science, which is now the Spiritual Center, or unity. And mm. the 12 steps of any program, it's a very spiritual program. And it really is about, you know, admitting your defects and making amends for what you've done. And, you know, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what it means to make amends. Making amends means simply to change your behaviors. Mm. And so it doesn't mean, you know, going and apologizing to everybody necessarily, because sometimes you can't, the person might be passed on, but it's really about making a change. So you amend a behavior. So I don't need to apologize to you if I piss you off. I just need to go and just do some self-introspection. <laughs> You'll know right off the bat. You just need to cook for me. Just cook something healthy. There you go. There you go. Speaking of which, Lisa tells me last night she's really hungry. And so she's outside in the yard doing yoga. And so I go in and I make this fantastic mushroom, carrots, broccoli. Brussels sprouts, broccoli deal for her. And then she's like, oh, I'm not hungry. 
I did yoga and then it was 10 o'clock at night. Like I'm, I'm too, well, old, to, I'm too old to be eating then. I know. But right? listen yeah. to this, Kathleen, what I did. And I learned this from a guy who's coming on our podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, I never can remember his name, but he's he calls himself the Sprout Guy. I got to put the two of you in touch. Yeah, absolutely. But all his entire business, only thing he eats is Sprout-based. And he teaches people how to grow their own sprouts in their backyard. I'll send him to you. He's fantastic. He's this really kind of like weird, enigmatic dude love my kind of people love like absolutely <laughs> yeah like way out here on a different planet anyway and so um he he was posting something on his instagram where he makes up all these vegetables and instead of putting them in horrible flour that's been completely bleached out without any nutrition tortillas he puts them in sushi rolls and he dumps all of his Ooh. vegetables into a sushi roll so i made those last night for dinner so you'd be proud of me oh i'm coming over for dinner yeah, it was really fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about vegetables again. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't have any sort of education around it. I only know what, what works for me and what I, what I do. But our bodies, I do know this is a fact, our bodies are not necessarily designed to eat meat. Even if you look at the structure of our teeth, if you look at the structure of our endocrine system and how we process food, they're not necessarily designed, at least not in the quantity that we're consuming it. Why is that not just like a, a, a basic basic premise of anything else alone that people could look at our bodies and say, we should probably eat more vegetables and fruits because they're basically designed to eat fr uh, fruits and vegetables. Do you, do you remember, okay, this is me growing up. I remember my mom cooking for my, my dad and it would be a T-bone steak the size of a plate. <laughs> yeah, I do remember. Right? Well, I never I, got, we weren't, what, we, we couldn't afford that, but I do know what you're saying. But yeah. Oh, Your we man. did the same thing. We, you know, my mom was from Europe. And so on Sundays, we'd had a big roast and the rarer, the, the better. And I remember going to restaurants and w when I would put my order in, uh, I'd say, you know, get, bring me the, the steak as long as it's mooing. I mean, that's, you know, I was a carnivore till the cows came home literally and um you know so and there's people that are shocked that that i'm plant-based now because they said you used to love meat and that's the the another myth that that people have is is and misunderstanding is they think that we don't like meat i loved the flavor of meat but if you look at it most meat is seasoned with a mm -hmm. lot of salt a lot of garlic a lot of pepper and and so it's not necessarily the meat that they crave i i do a uh, tofu real thin sliced tofu. I put it in amino acids, uh, liquid amino acids, and it comes out like bacon. Mm -hmm. And people are like, this tastes just like bacon. It's like, yeah, because it's salty. And, and so, you know, and so much of it really is that people again, have been brainwashed and they don't want to hear that. People are not willing to have short-term suffering for long-term gain because your body will go through changes. You're going to detox. And so anytime you make a healthy change, your body is going to hurt. You're going to feel like crap. And once you get past that, that's when you, you really enjoy the benefits. Mm -hmm. I like that amino acids. Um, somebody recently turned me on to the aminos, and I use a coconut amino mm -hmm. that I that I instead of I I've replaced it with soy sauce. Yes. So you you talked about tofu, but isn't tofu soy based? And soy is really I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm reading that there's a lot of replication studies coming out that soy is not good for your body. Is that true or false? The, it depends who you ask. It really depends who you ask. And, you know, a, a lot of people say, well, um, like men, they'll get man boobs if they eat uh, 
tofu. And I have a friend who's a professional bodybuilder and he had a picture of himself right before a competition. And he goes, how do you like my man boobs? I eat tofu, mm. you know? And, and so it really depends who you ask. You can find any study to support any belief that you have any way of uh, looking at things. That, that's the thing that just boggles my mind. I, I never understand it. There, there's never really a general consensus of anything that we should do. And, and I guess the only conclusion I can draw is a, it's politicized. B, it's revenue-based, but C, all of our bodies sort of respond to a different type of diet and a different sort of a, a different sort of regime, right? So our job as humans is to, to really understand what works for us. But at the same time, we need to do a little more education into what we should actually be consuming, shouldn't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, it people would rather spend three hours on Facebook, seeing how much they're loved and how many likes they got rather than doing the research that could literally save their life. You know, so I, I think a lot of it has to do with what are the choices you're making in life and what's the quality of life you want? Because it's easier for us to blame outside forces. Uh, this morning, I, I was doing my morning yoga. It was about 4.30 and I, I thought, okay, I've got to get this in before we have our conversation. And um, there was a commercial that came on the YouTube channel because I just flip on YouTube. And it was for acne medication. And it had this young gal that had little bumps all over her face and this cream will fix it. And I thought, no, probably what you're putting in your body is causing those, those pimples. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have cleared up acne by going on a plant-based diet. So the outward really is a reflection of what's going on inside. What you're putting in your body has to come out some way, whether it be through farts, whether it be through pimples, whatever it may be. Go so good set, sex mm -hmm. and good mm -hmm. skin. Mm -hmm. Oh, are you trying yeah, to close this off? Because I no. still have a couple more ideas. No, 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 I'm not. Okay. I'm just like, this is how we're going to. Was that my She's kick still on the, the sex part, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, you know? And, and a good complexion. Are so. you complaining? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you, you just talked about you eat what you become. I just paraphrased that. You do eat what you become on a cellular and a genetic level. Everything that we consume is processed into our DNA, it's processed into our cellular structure, our skin, our blood, our bile, our bodies, our hair, literally everything. And and so I don't think a lot of people really comprehend that. They think that we just eat and then we shit it out. And right. it's really, that's not exactly what happens. Only the wasted stuff that the body can no longer use or consume gets defecated out or urinated out. But in, in can you dumb that down for people so they can really understand on on a cellular genetic DNA level our bodies our planet the universe the plants the animals everything is sort of in this cascading symbiosis and when you consume something you become what you consume and, and that's manifested in pimples poor health whether it's over over drinking whether it's over anything you sort of become that space what is your thoughts around that and how do you dumb that down for someone well how i would how i would put it in a nutshell first of all i encourage people to get the book the world peace diet by dr will tuttle i just interviewed him phenomenal book. It's the first book that really talked about the energy of what we put in our body with animals mm. actually comes out in anger, violence, depression, uh, resistance to drugs, overuse of drugs. And 
if you think about it, there's a lot of people who say, oh, I'm so spiritual, you know, everything is connected. And then they're consuming factory farmed animals and they're putting in that, the, that in their body. Well, that is the energy you're taking on. You can't separate it. And, you know, people will want to deny that. They'll say, oh, no, there's, there's a separation. But how can you put something into your body and not think that it integrates into every cell of your body? And the fact is, is that even what we shit out, we don't, we don't poop it all out. A lot of it stays in our system. And I think it was John Wayne when they did an autopsy on him, they found so much fecal matter in his intestine. And it, it was like, it was shocking how much garbage and crap was in his body. And that's the truth for most people. They're so clogged up and, and you just look at how it, it can, it conveys itself in how much anger there is in the world, how much violence there is in the world. And when you, when you eat a diet of peace, you have more peace. And it was Mahatma Gandhi who said, how we treat the animals is a reflection of the, the what comes out in the world. Something, mm. you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, our, our life is a reflection of how we treat the animals. And if we're consuming animals, how can we live in peace? I love that. That's the thing about animals and plant-based eating. You talked a bit about the habits of people and marketing and big pharma and all the different organizations that are pushing in an unhealthy narrative. I know we're running out of time. Lisa just kicked me. But if you actually take a look economically at the cost-benefit ratio of running a cattle farm versus a plant-based farm, they're not even close. Like cattle destroy the planet. And, and the amount of energy that we have to consume as humans to process this, to replant, to turn over soil, to raise cattle, to kill cattle, all of that, just to get it from, from cradle to grave across the market. The cost is like 1,000 to 1 in, in favor of doing plant-based, real horticultural farming as opposed to letting cows destroy every piece of soil we have on the planet. Why is that narrative not being recognized and acknowledged, though? I wish I had the answer. I would be a billionaire if I had the answer, quite seriously. And, and a lot of it is people are ignorant. People don't want, and they don't want to know, and they don't know. And if food was not subsidized by the government, fast food and, and beef and poultry and fish, um, the cost would not be affordable. And, and so a lot of people are under the mistaken notion that meat is affordable. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. And it's all subsidized. And if the government would subsidize plant-based eating as much as they do meat eating, it would be a whole different dialogue. So it, it really is a matter of people are creatures of habit. People are lazy in a lot of ways. People have been misled. They believe what they believe based on how much, you know, if you say something enough, it becomes a truth, whether it's true or not. And so people are convinced that they need to have meat in order to be healthy. But I mean, how, how dumb is that? Look at, look at how unhealthy people are. And this is where I get called a radical vegan. It's like, oh, come, come on, wake up. Look at how fat, sloppy, lazy people are. Look at what they're eating. Connect the dots. It's really that simple. It, it, it honestly, it, it bamboozles me on a daily basis. I, I pulled up to the stoplight the other day, and this is, I'm not making this up for this podcast. True story. There was a woman sitting in the, in the, in the traffic light next to me, and she had on her mask. And this is truthfully what happened. She pulled her mask down 
took a puff of her cigarette, went back to the wheel, pulled her mask down and picked up her giant 32-ounce Coca-Cola and drained it. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I just want to roll my window and down and scream, what yeah. is wrong with yeah. you? Yeah. But, but, but that right. mask will protect her. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's the protection. It's like masks are good. I mean, you have to you have to look at it and say, okay, for allergies, it's great. When I'm working out, we have five acres, so there's a lot of yard work we do. And you know, I have a riding mower, and when I'm on that riding mower for a while, wearing a mask really does help prevent the the allergies. But you know, look at all the behaviors. It's like have an integrated approach to your health and your well being, because mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, you, you look at our medical system. Our medical system is broken. I mean, there's so many broken pieces of what's going on and people can start taking control of their life by what they put in their mouth and what they put in their mind, body, and soul. It's real simple. I love the fact, Lisa, yeah. that you do yoga. I mean, it, it's like, and both of you are in great shape and, and obviously you care about your health. It's like, yeah, there's, you know, I am healthy. <laughs> I am good. I am powerful. Um, but the, the truth is, is that it, it's like, start with baby steps, start with taking responsibility and not believing everything that you read and you see and you hear. Mm. That's a mic drop right there. It is a mic drop. And, and, and one last thought process on all of that before I plug her a little bit more before I plug Kathleen. Kathleen, the funny thing is, is that, and I, and I keep pondering the best way around this and, and it applies to COVID. It applies to the injection, it's not a vaccine, it's the injection. It applies to how we eat and how we live our lives, right? There's a, so I have a relatively large Instagram presence, but most of the people who follow what I say are sort of already in agreement with me anyway. They're, they follow me because they like the things that I put out as with Lisa, as with most of the people. And most of the people that are being kicked off of social media, they're all big advocates for healthy eating. Most right. of them are plant-based eating, change your diet, change your lifestyle, exercise, get your fat ass off the TV, put down the video game and get outside and exercise, buy an apple instead of this, et cetera. But the problem with that is most of the people that you're speaking to, the most of the people that I'm speaking to, it's an inclusive audience. How do we reach other people who are not buying into mm -hmm. our agenda and, and all they see is the bullshit that they get from mainstream media? Oh, I love that. I love that. First of all, quit trying to get them to buy into it. Just live your life. Be an example. Um, in, in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, they say it's about attraction rather than promotion. When people see the way you're living, they'll ask questions. So when they ask questions, then you can have the dialogue. But you know, where where really um, where people put up the walls is when we try to force our way of life on them rather than it, it's like I've been with my, Karen for 31 years. You know, I don't go around carrying a big gay flag and saying, ah, you got to be gay. You got to be gay or you have to accept gays. No, no, no. I just live my life. And our neighbors are phenomenal. We were one of the first couples who got married legally in the state of Oregon. And we happened to make the front page of the newspaper. I, you know, that was no, no plan. And we had neighbors bringing us flowers and old farmers that were like, Oh, congratulations. We're so happy for you because we just live our life. You know, it, it's like live a life of attraction uh, rather than trying to convert people into any way of life, just live a, a life of integrity alignment and people will start asking questions. You know, at 67, I, I've got two weeks to go and I'm going to be 67. And I have people say, how are you so healthy? And I say, well, do you really want to know? And if they say, yes, I really want to know. That's my entree. I love that. Nobody likes a Bible basher. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, I tow that line of, should I, should I share this? Should I talk about this? But 
I love your approach. Okay. Well, and, and I, I do have one final thought on that. You know, the, the thing about we don't know who we're impacting with this particular conversation. Um, we don't know who's listening, who it might be that one thing that we said that turns their life around. I was yeah. listening to your interview with, I think it was Michelle, who her husband had killed himself. And uh, yeah. it, it really brought up some memories for me when I was drinking. I was very suicidal. And I, I was listening to that. And I thought, you know, how wonderful that I can hear a dialogue about what I would have done to other people if I would have succeeded at killing myself. So your show is making a difference. You don't know who you're impacting. And unfortunately, we go for numbers, numbers, numbers. And the reality is, is it could be that one person that we impact them. They impact two people. They impact four people. You know, so it's like get out of our own way. Get out of ego. Don't worry about what we're doing. Just live our life. And that will be the catalyst for change. That's that's powerful. I really like that. You gave me goosebumps a second ago when you said that. The cascade impact, right? The cascade yes. impact. Yes. I love that. All right. So this is Kathleen Gage. I've enjoyed this conversation. So much. Um, oh, it's been wonderful. If you want to get some more information on her, you can find her at plantbasedeatingforhealth.com. When Dallas produces this, that'll be flashing across the screen. She's a consultant. She helps businesses retrain their employees around the idea of being, living, healthy, She's a plant-based eater. She's been doing it for how many years now? I'm going on three years. Three years. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a baby at it. But you're already seeing the benefits. So absolutely. You know, it is. Anyway, I've enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Kathleen, thank you for joining us. This was fantastic. Uh, Devo and Lisa, this has been delightful. I love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it, it's like um, eat plants and have sex. I like that. Like, <laughs> it's so sexy. There's been a common theme here. So can we go eat the leftovers after we that yes. I made last night for you? And then can we put on a little candlelit music? In the <laughs> no, we day? have a team meeting. <laughs> oh, so right. Let's cancel the staff meeting. <laughs> Kathleen, thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you so much. This has been delightful. All right. Bye. That was fantastic. Yeah. How the fuck do we get so many cool guests on our tiny little show? I don't we know. just need to keep put, putting it out there that we're way yeah. bigger than we are. So people just are fooled by it. Because my mom listens every single night. My mom doesn't. Oh, I force it down. Or I just keep feeding her text messages. I'm like, mom, you haven't heard this tidbit yet. Listen, listen, listen. Can Kathleen still hear us? I don't know. Um, if she can, congratulations on being together for that long, like in a relationship for over 30 years. I know. That is pretty big deal. It is. 67 years old and she's running marathons. That's that's really fantastic. I want to talk to her offline a little bit about the farming community that she lives in because that sort of sounds like the space that we're looking for. I know. Can we move in with her? I think we should. All right. Anything in the closing thoughts? No, we we touched on so many different things that were just energizing like lifelines that uh, Is she still there? I was actually going to put her on the hot seat. I want to bring her back in. Yeah. No. Yes, she's still there. I'm still here. I, I'm like, what are they going to really say about me? Okay, that voice is a weird one. Boy, can, you weird. Uh, can you hear us? Can you hear us? I could hear oh, you. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I actually had some questions I was going to ask you because these are. I'm going to use myself as the sort of the litmus test for it. Um, I'm getting a lot of information from people because I'm a coffee drinker. Um, I drink organic coffee. I'm very, very particular about the type of coffee I drink. Mm -hmm. Is coffee bad or good for you? Because you we, had know, a, we had a again, dude on our show the other day that was telling us that we should never touch coffee. It's oh, like man. it's the sin of the devil. It's the government's way to corrupt us. It affects our poop and all these things. And I'm like, 
I'm like, but dude, there's so much information that says the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I don't know. I don't know. And it's weird because I used to be a really heavy coffee drinker. I, I would drink a, a pot or two a day. And when my wow. dad died in 2009, I literally overnight, I gave up coffee. I don't know what it was. I just lost the desire. So I don't have an answer to that. Um, but I drink my morning cup of Lipton tea. I get all these fancy teas. We have a handyman that he one of his clients uh, works for um, uh, what Yogi tea. And so he brings me boxes and boxes of tea and it, I give it to my mother-in-law to take to her church because I love my Lipton tea. So, you know, I, I think the thing is, is like to not be living so paranoid of like, Ooh, is this good? Is this good? Go with intuition and balance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some things like for me, like alcohol, I will never consume alcohol again. I just know that it's not healthy for me. But, you know, a cup of, or a glass of wine for somebody who's not an alcoholic. What's wrong with that? Yeah, you know? I don't know. I'd like to have a glass of wine. Yeah, go for it. What's your take on marijuana? Um, mine is I personally don't use it, but I think that it's good for medicinal reasons. Like we've had our dogs on it, uh, for medicinal reasons. My mother-in-law, we give it to her. She's 87 years old and she's got pulmonary fibrosis. So it helps with her coughing and we get, there's a lot of stores here in, in Oregon. But, um, I think, you know, it, again, it's like anything in moderation, don't yeah. smoke and drive. I mean, my gosh, you know, yeah. that's kind of common sense. My last question, because this is something that I'm actually really researching heavily right now, and I'm just curious because you're an intellectually um, powerful woman to speak to. So thank you. What's your take on global warming? I, uh, I, I really believe that animal agriculture has had a lot to do with it. And I do believe, I mean, I look around with all the the floods, the fires, everything is so mammoth nowadays. I, I believe that uh, we could turn it around slightly, but I don't think it'll ever be turned around hundred percent. And it goes back to human behavior. People are not willing to take responsibility. And often the answer is, Oh, what difference can one person make? Well, if everybody has that attitude, nothing's going to change. And so one person at a time. Hmm. So, so I used to wholeheartedly believe that. But my opinion of it is starting to slightly alter because I've been doing some heavy research into the into the chronology of the planet where the planet has frozen and melted, frozen and melted, mm -hmm. or had catastrophic mm -hmm. events mm -hmm. at least six known times that right. we're aware of. Right. And in every situation, the planet froze and then it warmed back up and it froze and warmed back up. And so my my take on it now that I'm starting to kind of formalize is that we're in one of those cycles that that just is self-perpetuating. It's the planet's way of cleaning itself up. And we as humans, we're exacerbating that and, and, exactly. and, and decreasing that timeline is sort of where my position on it. Well, has. and I, I agree with what you're saying because you know there there has been six or seven other times where yeah. we're going through what we're going through, but we we have amplified it. Absolutely. And it's it's really sad because when you look at the amount of violence going on and fear and anger, um, there are solutions to that, but it, again, it goes back to the the big pharma, the government. Well, they they don't want us to change because, in a lot of ways, this is how you control people, and and people don't want to hear that. I mean, you know, it's like I I have a, I don't know how you guys feel about vaccines. I kind of have a feeling, but um, the injection, I like that. Um, I've chosen not to get it. And it's not that I'm an anti-vaxxer. I just don't want it. And I've had people, you know, try to guilt trip me into it. It's like, well, you know, do you realize blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? 
you go ahead, you do you, I'll do me. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, you're right. It's not a vaccine. I'm going to send you something after after uh, the podcast ends. Uh, it's a for. Have you heard of the the band Twelve, the Twelve Band Doctors? There's Doctor Tenpenny's one of them. Doctor Thomas Cowan. There's a uh, there's twelve of them in general that have been put on the shit list across all of social media and basically big pharma are on their hit list now. And there's thousands of doctors like them that are saying exactly what you just said. But the 12 in general are the most outspoken. And they held a web conference this week, which I have access to. I'm going to share it with you. And they dive into exactly what's in this this injection. And one of the things they keep saying, sorry, we're going down a rabbit hole. One of the things they keep saying is stop calling it a vaccine. If for no other reason, when people hear vaccine, they have that knee jerk reaction that, oh, it's just like a flu vaccine. I can go get right, a flu vaccine right. and be cured. And it's not a vaccine. There's right. literally not a single element in this injection that cures a virus or is antimicrobial or antibacterial. Literally nothing in there. But look at how they've controlled the population. And, and this is what pisses me off quite seriously is people stand in line for hours before the whole Johnson and Johnson thing, but they would stand in line for hours to get that injection, but they wouldn't change their diet. It's like, come on, people wake up. They're going to just get the masses to go into a hysteria, think that this is going to be the solution. And again, it's about control. I think they already had it made up before. So you're, you're basically a prophet. Thank you. Right. As are you. Well, let me tell you, I love your show. I, I just, I, I really, really like what you guys are doing. When my episode comes out, let me know because I, I love promoting it. Um, you know, but no, I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, just rock the boat. Thank for you. Sure. Thank you. Yes. We, we will. We plan on it. I, re- I posted something yesterday on Instagram because I got some some fe- some negative feedback from somebody. And they, spe- they specifically said to me, why do you always have to go against the grain on everything? And I was like, dude, I'm not going against the grain. I'm just a critical thinker and I ask questions and I'm not just going to get in line and bend over and let you take it up the ass just because yeah. you said it's yeah. the right thing to do yeah. today. <laughs> but like, if you do, make sure you eat plants. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so I, wrote, I wrote this on uh, my Instagram. I said, the more bold you are, the more independent you are, the more rejection you're going to experience from mainstream thinkers because the mob of the majority don't like desertion from the common narrative. And I, and I said that to him and he's like, I don't even know what you mean, dude. You're just trying to be so deep. And I'm like, okay, that's why you don't yeah, understand why exactly. I'm so bold because you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, Think for yourself. Don't just take – like if I were to tell you to go run into a burning car or a burning house because – I promise you health and prosperity. Would you do that? And he's like, fuck no. I'm like, well, dude, do you see what's going on right now? Like think anyway. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> hey, this has been great. You guys, thank you. And uh, let me know what I can do to, if there's anybody I can introduce you to uh, that, you know, maybe you see my name connected with somebody. I'm happy to make the introduction. You guys are awesome. Fabulous. Likewise. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to introduce you to a couple different people that I think you Please should do. connect with. One is the sprout dude. And another was a guy up in your neck of the woods. He's in Oregon. He um, runs chemical free body. Oh, I, I interviewed him. Tim James. Oh yeah. yeah He's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah, take, yeah. we take it, his product. It's fantastic. Is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, and also check out power up for profits. That's my business site. Power up for profits, plural.com. Oh yeah. I saw it on your website. I will. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. You Bye. too.